Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Qi Zhi. Coming up in this edition, Chinese Premier Li Qian has been meeting German leaders in Berlin on his first trip to Europe since he took office. Qatar and the United Arab Emirates have reopened their respective embassies after a six-year break in ties. And six Palestinians have been killed in raids by Israeli troops in the West Bank. We begin in Europe. Chinese Premier Li Qian has had separate meetings with German President Frank Walter Steinmeier and Chancellor Olaf Scholz in Berlin. The Chinese Premier is on his first trip to Europe since he took office in March this year. Peter Oliver is in Berlin. Premier Li Qian was welcomed by German President Frank Walter Steinmeier. Premier Li signed the guest book at Schloss Bellevue, the president's official residence, before heading in for talks. Later, a spokesperson for President Steinmeier tweeted that the German head of state had asked China to use its political weight to bring about peace in Ukraine. A lot of this trip will focus on business. Trade between the two nations is worth $320 billion a year, and China is Germany's biggest trading partner. Speaking at a business event, German Chancellor Scholz said these ties will allow Chinese-German relations to develop in other areas. It was very good that I went to Beijing last year when the coronavirus period was coming to an end and could thus also create the basis for resumption of intensive contacts with very concrete success. On Monday evening, Li Chang was welcomed into the Chancellery by Olaf Scholz for a behind-closed-doors dinner meeting with the German leader. On Tuesday, German and Chinese ministers will meet to discuss bilateral ties, expect more business talk, while the issue of the Ukraine crisis will also be on the agenda. That's Peter Oliver in Berlin on a visit by the Chinese Premier. Staying in Europe, more bodies are being recovered from the waters off the Greek coast after last week's devastating shipwreck. Authorities say the number of people killed when a boat crammed with migrants capsized has now risen to 81. Nine suspected human smugglers were expected to appear in court on Tuesday in connection with the incident. Evangelos Sipsas has the report. The rising death toll of the victims from last week's shipwreck off the coast of Pilos comes as authorities are working to hold the people smugglers accountable. On Monday, the nine suspected were granted another 24 hours to prepare their defense testimonies over accusations that they captained the fishing vessel when it sank off the coast of Greece. Their attorneys asked for a brief extension to study the case file as more testimonies were given over the weekend. According to a statement by one of the lawyers, his client, who was the first to apologize, maintains that he is innocent. My client denies the charges they have been accused of, as he says that he is also a victim of the whole situation, as he paid a significant amount to transfer from Egypt to Italy. He mentioned that as of the second day when the ship came close to the boat, smugglers threw all the water and food in the sea. Some witnesses told us that a day before the boat sank, there was an upheaval between the different groups on the boat because there was a lack of food and water. My client told me that the boat sank because most of the people on board shifted from side to side, causing the boat to capsize. With more bodies recovered on Monday, the search and rescue mission from the Hellenic Coast Guard has been extended for 24 more hours, as there is hope 
that more can be recovered. But questions remain as to whether authorities reacted aggressively enough to the vessel in distress. According to the Greek accounts, the people on board, some thought to be smugglers, refused assistance and insisted on reaching Italy. While accounts from some of those on board claim the Coast Guard did indeed try to intervene, but only after they saw the boat capsizing. The nine accused smugglers and eyewitnesses will appear in front of a judge to testify of what happened on that boat as well as the Hellenic Coast Guard's response. That was Evangelos Sipsis reporting. NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg says leaders of member countries will not issue an invitation for Ukraine to join the alliance at their summit in Lithuania next month. At the Vilnius summit and in the preparations for the summit, we are not discussing to uh, issue a formal invitation. Uh, what we are discussing uh, is uh, how to move Ukraine closer to uh, NATO. And there are ongoing consultations, and I'm not in a position to preempt the outcome of those uh, consultations. Speaking in Berlin, Stoltenberg said the issue of Ukraine's membership was not part of any discussions ahead of the NATO summit in Vilnius. Earlier, at a meeting of defense ministers in Brussels, the bloc also promised more weapons and training to Ukraine. Moving on to the Middle East, Qatar and the United Arab Emirates have reopened embassies in each other's respective countries after a six-year break in ties. The reopening of the diplomatic missions comes at a time of easing Gulf rivalries after Iran reopened its embassy in Saudi Arabia, ending its seven-year boycott. Jim Stemmen reports. This comes against a backdrop of a regional push for reconciliation and some two years after Gulf nations and some Arab states ended a three-year-long boycott of Qatar. Now, despite the ending of the blockade several years ago, fully restoring relations has been a slow journey with Abu Dhabi and Doha vying for regional influence in various other countries across the region. While countries such as the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Egypt reappointed ambassadors in 2021, it's been a much slower journey for the UAE and Bahrain, which have not yet reopened its embassy. This latest move comes at a time of broader regional efforts to end hostilities in the region, helped, no doubt, by the China broker deal to restore relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which some hope may set the stage for also ending the civil war in Yemen. That was Jim Stemmen. Six people, including a teenager, have been killed and over 90 others wounded in a raid by Israeli troops on the West Bank. UN Secretary-General Antony Guterres has urged Israel to stop what he calls its troubling and alarming decision on illegal Israeli settlements in the West Bank. We'll get more from Stephanie Freed. Seven hours of intense battling, characterized by gunfights and explosions, rocked the Israeli-occupied West Bank town of Jenin on Monday. Israel says it sent members of an elite paratroop unit, undercover operatives and border police into the town to capture militants. Those units were fired on by Palestinian operatives and five military vehicles they were traveling in were immobilized when roadside explosives or IEDs detonated. Israel's army sent in an Apache helicopter gunship to fire on the Palestinian operatives, creating cover for the Israeli forces to evacuate. This is the first time in 20 years Israel has fired missiles on the West Bank. 
Seven Israeli soldiers and scores of Palestinians were injured during the fighting. Turkey and Egypt criticized Israel for the violence. Members of Israel's right-wing government are calling for a broader operation in the West Bank. According to Palestinian officials, since the start of 2023, more than 110 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli raids on the occupied West Bank. Stephanie Freed reporting. To North America, a search is underway for a tourist submarine carrying five people, which went missing while on an expedition to the Titanic wreckage about 1,400 kilometers off the U.S. coast. On Monday, the U.S. Coast Guard said it expects the occupants to have between 70 and the full 96 hours of supplementary oxygen in a craft. Larry Daly is with the Newfoundland and Labrador Titanic Explorer. Deep submersible diving is very dangerous, but it is, uh, it's high tech, you know, and as each year goes by, the equipment gets better, the technology gets better, and so on. So uh, I'm very hopeful and very positive. I, I mean, uh, I was in the sub for uh, 12 hours. We have our own breathing system on board, and if that's maintained properly, like changing your uh, filter and your CO2 scrubber, you can stay down there for, you know, quite a few hours. And in our case, you know, I was down there for 12 hours total time in the sub, and the uh, new technology obviously can extend that too, right? British billionaire explorer Hamish Harding is believed to be among the people on board the submarine that's missing in the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Authorities say the Canadian research ship Polar Prince lost contact with the submarine more than an hour after it submerged on Sunday morning. And before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. Chinese Premier Li Qian has met German leaders in Berlin on his first trip to Europe since he took office. Qatar and the United Arab Emirates have reopened their respective embassies after a six-year break in ties. And six Palestinians have been killed in raids by Israeli troops in the West Bank. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you headlines from around the world every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, our one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.